0: I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to spider down and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. See. Si.
1: Welcome to World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to another edition of Secret Ball Stories, where I invite guests to count down a personal top five list in high-fidelity fashion. And we've got a doozy for you today, and we've got a heck of a guest for you. (laughs) It is your friend and mine, Angry Andrew Knowles is back. To- Hello, <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the show. I mean, I mean, we've we've recorded last week. We've done some videos for you, so it's all banter. It's all good, so, you know. we it is. We're we've got to
0: keep staying during this lockdown.
1: Got to do something to alleviate the boredom. And, and yes, uh, we do. And uh, speaking of lockdown, and speaking of. Things happening in the world. It's been a it's a very, been a very strange year for politics, uh, wouldn't you say, Andrew Knowles?
0: I would definitely agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's been some 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 good news and some bad news, both sides of the pond, I would say, in the in the in the Western world, anyway, in regards What's the to good p- news. I, I mean, yeah, fair point. Actually. <laughs> It's all all pretty bad when you come down to it with politics, and that is why me and Andy Knowles have teamed up once again to bring you our top five list of worst fictional politicians. Yeah, uh, so we ha-
0: strong emphasis on the fictional. We're not talking fictional. about real politics.
1: Yeah, so we're not going to, you know, we, I, I I, don't like to be... This is probably the most political I'm ever probably going to get on the show um, because I like to view politics through the lens of entertainment, through the lens of, of, you know, of fiction. And I think this is is one of those. And I think there's going to be some, maybe some political diatribe going on. Who knows? But we're just going to talk about bad... Politicians, you may not share our political views. Mine and political views are fairly similar, I think. Um, and, you know, and that's fine. But you will notice that a lot of these characters do tend to lean slightly to the right, if not all the way to the extreme right.
0: Yeah, it's an unavoidable trend in sort of like movie, uh, especially evil politicians. Mm. They, they always seem to... Edge towards that that right side, don't they? I don't. Yeah, I mean, without looking at any particular stereotypes or anything, I, I guess it's just the way that it is. I think. I think mostly. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, history, his I mean, history is a good example of of other, I mean, on the other on the other side of that argument, you know, you had like uh, Hitler was from a, a socialist group. Um, and you know, came kind of was fairly left leaning, but kind of came all the way round to the other side. Went so far left, he went far right, sort of thing. <laughs> Who knows? But um, but <laughs> so far left, he went right. <laughs> so far right, he went left. Who knows? It's all confusing. It's politics, <laughs> political science gone mad.
0: <laughs> but this is this is why we're looking at fictional, fictional movie, yes. comic book, yeah. and TV, politics. TV
1: books, you name it we're going to look at fictional politicians because we're not we're not the we're not the most politically versed I don't think you know we have our no. opinions but I don't think we are the people to talk politics I don't think that's our expertise but we do no. know fiction we like we like comics we like movies we like tv and I think this is perfect for us so we're going <coughs> to yes. take a look at that so we're not going to look at any Uh, fictional versions of real-life politicians as well, uh, just to be clear. So, for example, Richard Nixon in The Watchman will not be included in this list because he's real. Even though it's a fictional version, it's of a real person. Uh, You know, other examples you can pull out as well. But we are looking at fictional characters. Also, the positions, the political powers uh, power positions they hold can also be fictional as well. They might not have to. Yes. It might not necessarily be, you know, from this planet, from this universe. Who knows? You know, might be a fiction. Might be a fictional country like Genosha or something like that. Wakanda. Who knows? Whatever. We are gonna find out. So, Andy, as you are the guest, as always, it's been. A- were, what was our last top five? Was it the robots?
0: Oh. Yeah, it was The robot. yeah. It was The robot.
1: That was a good one, that was a good one. That was, that was a good one. Well, as as usual, I want you to go first, and I want you to tell me, what is your first, worst fictional politician?
0: (laughs) So, I have gone for a bit of a fun one to start with, a little bit of a fun one. I've gone for President James Dale from Mars Attacks. (laughs) 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 Played by uh, the excellent Jack Nicholson. Basically, he's just an absolute moron. Um, He tries to befriend the aliens, even while they're completely destroying and massacring everyone. And he's always sort of like, no, we'll be friends, it's fine, we'll all be friends. And then he himself ends up getting, you know, vaporized. And it's utterly delightful. He's just a, a bumbling idiot, basically. He just makes all the wrong mistakes you can possibly imagine a president would make in a comedy alien invasion disaster movie. Yeah, it's just, because it's played by Jack Nicholson as well, I think it's just absolutely perfect, because you're used to Jack Nicholson, you know, especially in, like, the film A Few Good Men, where he's, like, a very stoic, you know, knows exactly what he's doing, what he wants, and in this film, he's just an absolute disaster, an absolute mess, and I love it.
1: And it's kind of, it's a kind of a send up of those kind of fifties kind of atomic age kind of horror or sci-fi or action movies that, you know, the president was always the man. He was always the guy. He would always get you through everything. This is, you know, pre-Watergate, you know, this is like, the president is all American. He is us he'll save us, he'll save the day, but this guy yeah. is useless. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's in that war room, pretty much the entirety of the film. It does It looks like the war room that's straight up lifted from Dr. Strangelove. And literally, he's just constantly staring at things and like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know what to do, you know. <laughs> everybody's advising him he's like no we'll, we'll just be friends. we'll just we'll just say it's fine.
1: <laughs> and you like you expect like world leaders to have some yeah. obviously they've got a lot of advisors they're not going to go know everything but they've got to have some kind of gumption and some determination <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and yeah exactly and and just know what they're about what they're doing and what the plan is. but this guy is a, a complete fool um, and, it, and it kind of it kind of harkens back to like oh we come in peace, we come in peace. Uh, yeah. and like, and he's, and he's almost like the opposite is like, usually it's like the, the U S military are attacking them, even though they're coming in peace, uh, like a, a Davia stood still type thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's kind of flipped on its head in this one where, while all the generals are still like, kill it, kill it, kill it. But the president's yeah. like, no, no, well, you know, this is a stepping yeah. stone to a grander universe, a, you know, a more United States of the, of the universe, if you will. Uh, and then there, and turns out that the aliens are just mass murdering. you know all that sort of stuff Um,
0: even as the destroying like massive landmarks and things like that he's still like no it's 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 fine (laughs) let's
1: just don't worry about it don't worry about he also plays that other character doesn't he nicholson he plays the kind of cowboy like las vegas guy i can't remember yeah yeah the kind of long-haired guy who's kind of a a shookster or a shyster yeah all those dirty dealers. It's just
0: it's a it's a brilliant bit of casting by my um, like Tim Burton and his team. You know, getting Jack Nicholson. Obviously, Jack Nicholson worked with Tim Burton previously on on Batman. But it's, it's a brilliant bit of casting, and you can see like the playful nature in it. I think that's why I, I rate it so highly because you can see the playful nature in it. And oh you can yeah. Actually, like you know. It's a, it's, it's a finger pointing at like other bumbling presidents, you know, like even like Clinton and things like that at the time. The Simpsons does it perfectly with, with Clinton, you know, with alien invasions and things like that. You know, it's just the little bumbling nuances of like, oh, you can imagine Clinton doing this as well. Mm. You can imagine other presidents doing this, you know, in the past. Yeah, you've, so, you've definitely seen it before. I, I, what I
1: like about it is it's not very Tim burton as a film, no,
0: it's not. It's it's such a straight character as well. It's just he's just a fool.
1: Yeah, it's it's not got any other kind of gothic feel or vibe that Tim Burton has. It's it's still fuck it's still fucking weird. Like it's a weird movie, but that's oh yeah, that's Tim Burton's kind of wheelhouse anyway. Um, I love the desi- design of the aliens. I like all the yeah, great... they're very
0: fifties, aren't they? The, the oh, film yeah. is very fifties, but a lot of, like the human characters, especially Nicholson. They are very much like present day. That juxtaposition between them, I think, is what sells the film.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very, it's very tongue in cheek, and I think, I think, um, was this after Independence Day or before Independence Day? Oh, that is a good question. Shall I have a quick sneaky look? Go on, you have, a, you have a cheeky, you have a cheeky delve on the web.
0: So it was out, it was out, thirteenth of December, ninety six. Mass Attack. So Independence Day. Well, ninety six as well. Oh but it was August so Independence Day came first right but obviously they were being filmed around at the same time so yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but I, I i imagine this didn't necessarily do as well as as Independence Day probably i think no independence day was massive
0: wasn't it yeah
1: it's a bit, i think this one is a bit of a cult hit i think even within even with tim burton fans i think this is a bit of one of the more culty of of his uh, of his kind of catalogue. Um, yeah. it's Like, I, I've got a very love-hate relationship with Tim Burton and a lot of his movies. Yeah. Um, I would
0: actually, actually go out on a limb and blame this film for the reason why Tim Burton became so narrow with his later films. Yeah. Obviously, this film didn't really take off probably as they imagined it would, so he retreated back into that, that gothic yeah. sort yeah. of... Ugh, Safe. Yeah. Repetitive thing. I mean, you had, you, had, you had Sleepy Hollow, which came out a little bit later which is yeah, really right. love sleepy hollow but again that, that's kind of a shift in a way it's not really a standard tim burton affair
1: he's, he's very he's very hit and miss for me like he's, he'll hit hard and then he'll miss 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 hit miss 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 hit miss 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 for me so it's it's very like i love batman returns i love batman great yeah um, so do I? you know all the other stuff but yeah it's not he's not one of my favorites um you know and i would like him not to put Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp in everything as well. <laughs> I, would li- I would like him to work with other people. Yeah. Um,
0: it won- got to, go to a point where you was just like, Ugh, uh, they're both great, but come on. Yeah. <laughs>
1: there's, only, there's only so many English accents I can hear out of Johnny Depp without going, okay, all right, thank you again. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We
0: know you love us, Johnny. Just... Yeah
1: nothing <laughs> nothing nothing against you johnny but they just you know they just it works there take it you know what i mean but fair enough um yeah no i think that was a really good choice i, I like seeing i've got i've got one coming up my number one is quite similar um but i won't reveal yeah. it just yet um but yeah'
0: because <laughs> end the podcast <laughs>
1: right that's it guys bye <laughs> No, nobody no we don't want any more out of you, Andy. You don't want any more out of me. Just the top two. <laughs> top two, that's all we get. Uh, right. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with quite a, you had quite a light one, so I'm gonna bring it back quite this is gonna get quite dark and serious now. Okay. Dark and
0: serious already. Hello. Yeah,
1: re- really dark and serious. So so I wanted to, in my five, I've tried to pick different political positions as well. Like all of them, all of my five have a different political position in oh, the kind okay. of in the power scheme. So I've tried to try to do that just to differentiate it a little bit. So, yeah. So let's start with a big one. Let's start with the president of the United States. So I'm going to go with Alan Richmond from Clint Eastwood's absolute power. So this is a, <laughs> yeah, quite, it's a, it's a deep dive. It's a deep dive. So this is a, uh, it's a, it's a political thriller. Now uh, let's be honest you know, bad politicians and sex scandals go together like flies on shit. Um, yeah, pretty much. You, can't, you can't, can't kind of move for them. Um, so in this film, director Clint Eastwood takes that to the absolute limit. So it's not just a sex scandal. Um, so Clint Eastwood is playing a jewel thief called Luther, um, and he breaks into a house and, and basically uh, hides behind this secret compartment, which has a two-way mirror, um, so he's hiding away, and the woman comes home, and she uh, comes home with a man. Starts having sex, gets a little rough, playfully rough, you know, if that's your thing. Um, then it gets a little bit rougher, then a little bit rougher, and then she goes right. No, I don't like this. He carries on going. A fight ensues, shoes. They're break. They're punching each other. They're knocking each other down. Pot- potentially, she's about to be raped. She goes to stab, stab the guy. Then two secret agents, uh, Secret Service agents, come in and shoot her dead. The man in question is Gene Hackman's Alan Richmond, the President of the United States.
0: Wow. Okay, (sighs) I have not seen this film.
1: I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But this is the this is the opening, like half an hour. This this. Yeah. So Clint Eastwood escapes. They know he's he's escaped. They're trying to cover this up. They're trying to cover the whole thing. Yeah the secret service. Um, they made a mistake. They wanted to call the police, but the woman who's in charge is like, no, we've got to cover this up stabbing and everything. We've got to cover it all up. Um, because the woman involved was his, um, was Gene Hackman's characters, Alan Richmond's kind of, um, mentor. So sort of helped him get to the presidency. So yeah. he's slept with his wife, tried to sleep with his wife. And then, you know, it started off consensual, then became very not consensual, uh, throughout. And then, um, yeah, so they cover this up. Um, luther manages to get away with a knife so he has all the dna evidence and fingerprints all over it um and he starts basically he's trying to get away he's trying to escape um hackman is this horrific kind of sexually aggressive toxic male and he is so fucking intimidating in this film um there's a moment that eventually like clint eastwood's Um, sees him for what he is during one of these kind of speeches Um, because he he brings the husband in and he's like, I love you, we'll look after you, we'll solve this murder because they try and frame Luther for the murder, Clint Eastwood's character. And Clint Eastwood says, I'm not running from you, you fucking prick, basically, and starts starts basically blackmailing him and kind of leaving messages and stuff. And there's one point where he he took the necklace from, he managed to steal the necklace from the woman um, who got murdered that night uh, and then he he gives it to the aide and then she's like oh it's a gift from you mr president and and then you have this really intimidating tent tango or dance sequence um yeah. between the president and this woman and she, she she has no idea that luther has sent it as as a way to kind of fuck with the president and he's having this really awkward um you know just, i mean it looks beautiful like the dance yeah. is very it's very stylized but all the while, you, you can yeah. see the two characters are like... Yeah, like, Hackman wants to fucking kill her. Or he's like, you realise this is the necklace she wore when she died. And this is during, like, a massive event. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Like, a massive event they're all going through. And it's he's very intimidating. And he gets, like, darker throughout, and he gets pushed and pushed into this corner, and he starts talking about, like, killing people and silence. And uh, Clint Eastwood has a daughter played by Laura Linney, I think. Um, and yeah. he's like... Yeah. And, and she's he's like, I've got to kill her. I've got to, we're going to have to kill her. We have to silence her to silence him. Um, and uh, Dennis Haybert, I believe it's Dennis Haybert in it. Um, and I know he, didn't he play a pretty good president in 24? I- yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, he did, yeah.
1: So in this, he is like, he will do anything for the president in this. And he's like, I'll murder you. He's like trying to inject people with like window cleaner and shit, running people off the road. You know, he's like... He's American. He's like president. Is American. It doesn't matter what he's done. I've got a, a
0: crazy secret service agent.
1: Yeah, he's great yeah. as well. Very cold and calculating. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's quite a dark film. It's it's not it's not a laugh a minute film. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's got Ed Harrison as a detective as well. He's great in it. Um, as
0: oh, well, we do he's, a little bit of Ed Harris.
1: We do. We certainly do. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really interesting to see this. He has this very friendly, Gene Hackman has this very friendly kind of uh, facade, this kind of friendly pol- yeah. political facade, but deep down underneath he's sexually aggressive. Apparently the, he's done this before to other women as well, like, you know, right. abused other women sexually. Um, and, and the Secret Service agents say these noises are not unlike noises we've heard before, but obviously nothing like this has ever happened. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, quite, it's quite scary and, and you can see him panic more and more throughout the film um, yeah. but yeah it's a really tight tightly packed really tense kind of political thriller I do recommend it I, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, it it does share a few... I've
0: not watched it to be fair
1: yeah I, I think it'd be I think it'd be in your kind of part of your
0: I love a bit of Gene Hackman Ooh. I think Gene Hackman brilliant I can, I can imagine just from the way you described it I can, I can imagine the type of performance he's given because he's, he's very good at doing that he's very good at showing something on his face but you can see something underneath in his eyes he's, he's brilliant at doing that
1: yeah he's, i like he's,
0: the exterior when, he, when he's being quite nice and whatever well, you can see something else underneath that's that's the brilliance of gene hatman and that and and in the film he's
1: not in it a lot he's not in yeah. it that much, but when he is in it, you feel that menace and that intimidation and the and the power and the madness that he's he's you know he's got to, he's gotta cover this up he's you know he could lose the presidency he could lose his life and um yeah it's it's it just gets the tension ramps up more and more throughout the film yeah. um, but it's it starts off you know, and kind of continues throughout. But um, again, it's it's Clint Eastwood. He knows what he's doing behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. Yeah, um,
0: definitely.
1: I kind of also see this as kind of my secret President Lex movie. So President Lex Luthor movie because Hackman was Lex Luthor. Um, and, uh, he's, yeah, okay. and he's president in this. And I kind of wish we'd had this kind of performance in his Superman movies. They might, it might not necessarily fit, but, but I really... Yeah. I don't like the Lex Luthor. That's like that's like a used car salesman. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like kind of sleazy. cheesy. Yeah, cheesy sleazy kind of thing. I'd, I'd prefer something like this, where he yeah. he has he has absolute power. Wink, wink. Um, and <laughs> he he uses it in the worst possible way. Um, yes. Yeah, it's it's got quite. A, a... Hackman plays a very similar role in um, a film, a 1987's No Way Out with uh, Kevin Costner. Um, yeah, a, yeah. Plays a similar role. I yeah, I think he's the Secretary of Defence or something like that. But um, but yeah, check it out. It's really, really good. I, I really enjoyed this film. And yeah, if you're after something dark and political, this is the film for you.
0: Delightful.
1: Yeah, so that's absolutely that's,
0: delightful.
1: That's my number five. Um, moving on to your number four, Andy. Ah,
0: my number four. This, you, you'll enjoy this one. Yeah. It is Senator Kelly. So... It's always he's always stuck with me as a character, Senator Kelly, because he's in he's obviously he's in the very first X Men film. He's briefly in X Men Two as well. Mystique's you know transformed herself into him to blend in. But what Senator Kelly does in the film is you know immediately set the tone for the franchise about mutants and them being ostracized from society and being feared, and it's very much a hardened political message in a very very comic book film but it's it's i just i just love the way you know that there's there's no there's no holds barred with the character he's only in it for a short while before he you know before he's tested on and transformed by magneto and becomes a mutant and he has that little bit of redemption doesn't he when he does you know you know melt away into water where he's no longer afraid of mutants and he's you know, he's a bit upset about the way he's tried to, you know, get laws passed on them and everything. But I just, I, I think for the brief time that he's in there, he, he that character sets the tone for the entirety of the franchise. You know, even going as far as into Logan and things like that. Without without the presence of Senator Kelly's character, and you know, the initial thoughts that he has, you wouldn't get any of the you know understanding from an audience. About you know the fears, the political fears, and how that can be you know manipulated to achieve a goal. Yeah, I, I totally
1: agree. It's a very important character in the film. Like I, 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 I in the comics as well. Like in Days of Future Past in the comic, they are going back in time to stop Senator Kelly's assassination um, because he basically becomes a kind of a martyr for the anti-mutant yeah. cause, and that you know makes the sentinels be made and then they take over because they consider humans all humans are mutants mutants are human so that's why they take over and start policing everything and concentration camps and everything um and again in the comic he does have a kind of redemptive arc over time he does change even though there's you know he has various setbacks like i think his wife is killed by mutants and various other things and then he Then he himself is assassinated, I think, by Mystique. I want to say, um, I think it's like Dreams End. I think the storyline was, but yeah, he's yeah. always he's always been. I mean, you you will always have these characters the in the X Men universe, which are basically just bigots,
0: bigots and racists. Um, yeah, and that's what he is. He's, he's just a he's just a completely not a racist, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't even think about like the alternatives or any alternative solutions, you know, any peaceful solutions, it is very much a case of, well, then we'll just we'll just try and get rid of them and put them in camps and all this, which does transfer into sort of like, you know, uh, the, the character in, in the, the second film, I can't remember the bad guy's name, what's his name again? Um, oh, uh, William Stryker. Yeah. yeah, you get like the next evolutionary step in William Stryker, so you've got somebody who wants to initiate the change, and you've got somebody who's going to act on it, yeah, so in the yeah. com- in the
1: comics, William Strike is a lot more uh, like a religious zealot. Um, there's quite yeah. a f- there's a famous panel of him pointing at Nightcrawler and saying, "You call that human?" You know that sort of thing. Um, so he's a very he's in a very similar mold. I think that's probably was a was a good way to go with the sequel. Um, yeah, but yeah. No, I th- I think that's an excellent choice. I think you're right. It does. It, it's familiar enough to a, a kind of non-comic book reading audience that you can see yeah. that that allegory and that kind of metaphor there. Um, but again, that's what's great about the X-Men is you can use that allegory for anything. You can use, you know, um, communists could be the allegory for X-Men, you know, yes. um, being, being racist towards people of color, you know, um, homophobic you know it works it works on so many levels and still does you can always identify like me as a a young geek you know a young you know bully geek you know i identify i was the outsider i you know and and senator kelly is is like you know we need rid of you people we need rid of
0: it's it's cemented by the opening sort of sequence isn't it like with the concentration camp and everything that eric lencher goes through, uh magneto that is for the uninitiated mm-hmm. um but, yeah, so that whole idea, like, and you hear it all the way through the film as well, even after Senator Kelly's, you know, gone, you hear, so, like, what are you going to do when they come for you in, in, in the night, Charles? What are, you to, what are you going to do when they come for your children? You know, Senator Kelly is sort of like, sort of like the early rumblings of what, you, what you'd what you think, what you'd assumed maybe Germany went through, you know, prior to the rise of the, you know, the Nazi regime and things like that. It's that, it's that early rumblings, those early sort of, like, you know, well, we need to do something about them. We can't have them doing this. We can't have mutants, you know, running schools and being uh, head headmasters and all of this. We can't have it. It's not. It's not right. You know that. That for me, that's why he's sort of like a. He is such a pivotal character for me when I look at sort of like political characters. He's, oh, yeah. he's just a senator. He's not even a president at this point. He's just got. He's just got very particular views that obviously other people are starting to go along with hence why he gets into his senatorial position but it's that it's that for me that cements the character as something that I immediately think of I mean I thought of it before even a couple of my other you know top picks immediately when you said we're going to do one on uh, politicians it just popped in there. Senator Kelly X-Men immediately and I remember it from the first time I watched the film um I wasn't really that clued up on the X-Men I'd watched the animated series but you know that was when I was a, a bit younger but watching the very first X-Men film for the first time, I was like, wow, this is such a great character. And his change, his changing sort of ideologies and yeah, like what you he can... wants to do is, is is really dramatic and really poignant as well.
1: And, and it's, he's got a great arc in the film because, you know, he starts yeah, Even off, though
0: it is really, really short.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, t- it's tiny, but the fact that... And and the, again, like Magneto, all, all that Magneto is trying to do to him is make him a mutant. He's not trying to kill him. Yeah. Like, like they say in the film, Magneto doesn't doesn't know his machine kills people. He's not seen the after effect that happens to Kelly. Because arguably, arguably, some people are like, oh, he's a mutant and stuff. And I'm like, kind of. Or is his body just like deteriorating now because of the? I go
0: with deterioration. Yeah, I think he turns into a jellyfish kind of thing, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, and
0: then then it just becomes pure water.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's just, it's, he's slowly just congealing into that liquid yeah. form, and I think that, that very dramatically happens as well. And again, that, like, that's, that's a great, lovely scene with Storm as well, where she's holding
0: his hand, and it's like... there's Yeah, mid- that, that scene works on so many levels, like right? oh, yeah. for multiple, multiple reasons, like political reasons, racial reasons, you know, societal reasons, it works on so many levels. And it's like it's like you know, do you
1: fear people like us? You know, there's nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm gonna hold your hand, even though you've, you know, I've extended the olive branch, even though you are, yeah. you know, even though I probably shouldn't. I'm gonna do it because that's mm-hmm. that's the message of the X-Men. That is the the Charles Xavier dream, you know, um, and and that's it. And I think Senator Kelly is a good kind of character to embody um, the message of the X-Men to a modern audience, to a movie yeah. audience. In one, in just in one character arc, simple, yeah. easy done. And again, like you said, it sets the groundwork for those further sequels and for the treatment of mutants throughout the X Men movie franchise. Yeah. Um, no matter which ones you like or don't like, it's you know it's yeah. always relevant issue uh, and always at the forefront yeah. of any of those X Men movies.
0: Excellent I've, I've all, Yeah, of all the characters, just to finish off with that one. Of all the characters that you know. I hope uh, the MCU bring into the fore I hope they have Senator Kelly be one of them doesn't I don't I don't necessarily want you know all the major superpower players of the X-Men to come forward in a new film I want to see some of these you know real human characters that struggle with the idea of mutants popping up I think Senator Kelly popping up in the MCU as like an offshoot of the Sokovia records would be brilliant you know, we've got General Ross, then you've got Senator Kelly popping up in there, and then maybe Bolivar Trask as well. You know, if you want to take it a little bit further, you want to really explore that, then, yeah, I think, you know, that would be that be the way that I want to go. Yeah. Leave Wolverine, leave Wolverine, you know. Yeah, maybe a Gambit in there, get Rogue in there proper, and Storm in there proper, but, no, nah, I want to see, like, a, a human, you know, a human that's seeing like first the Steam Thor, Captain America, the Hulk, and now we now all these mutants popping up. I want to see that reaction. Yeah. I want to see somebody going, "This is going too far." And uh, what I'd like to see as well is the is
1: why why is it okay for the Avengers and not for mutants? That's what I'd like to yeah. see. Like, why are we accepting of the Avengers and all their all that superhero lot, which are not that dissimilar from mutants? But now mutants yeah. are popping up. Why are we? Why is this particular group not okay? I would like to see the the difference between those two. That would be interesting. But excellent choice. Almost made my list as well. So great, Ooh. great selection, sir. Great selection. <clears throat> so sticking with Mar- <laughs> sticking with Marvel Comics, I'm going to pick my next one, which is Secretary of Defense Del Rusk. Now, Del Rusk. Del Rusk. Yes, not not the computer. Don't worry, not the computer company. Not Farley's Rusk. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, believe it or not, back in the day, Jeff Johns used to write for Marvel Comics.
0: Certainly did. He certainly did. He
1: did. He did, and he wrote a run on the Avengers where uh, the Avengers are recognised by the UN as a superpower, a world superpower. So they, be- they become they become se- separate from the United States. They have an Avengers. Um, uh, kind of um, embassy, if you will, instead of an Avengers mansion. Um, so they become kind of almost like an isolationist nation, like Wakanda or yeah. something like that. And during this, the, um, the US government don't take, take too kindly to it. So Henry Peter Gyrick, who you might be familiar with from the X-Men cartoon, and Senator Kelly, who worked work quite closely with in that cartoon, um, is is given to the Avengers as a UN ambassador and is blackmailed by Del Rusk, the se- Secretary of Defense, um, to give him information about the Avengers. Henry Peter Garrick has a pretty antagonistic relationship with the Avengers. Um, you know, he used to be their kind of uh, liaison to the government. So he starts blackmailing it. And a short time later, in the comic book Avengers Red Zone, a massive... Uh, cloud, red cloud of um, kind of this virus gas, not like the v- not unlike the VX gas from the rock um, I... starts, starts um, is released from Mount, uh, is comes over Mount Rushmore. Um, And it's this flesh-eating kind of bacterial virus thing. Uh, Everyone starts dying; their skins coming off. You know, it's all just red underneath. You know, it sounds horrific. It is utterly horrific. It's quite interesting. Um, And and the Avengers are trying their best to contain this, uh, to contain it to the area, to try and find a cure as well. They've got Black Panther, Iron Man working on it. when when they're investigating, they find a secret lab under Mount Rushmore and they find out that the US government have developed this as a weapon. This isn't just a any old thing. It's the US government, it's you know, a domestic domestic terror attack, basically. And in, and they while searching through it, they found out that apparently the gas was meant initially to be created to affect people of colour, not white people.
0: Really so hell.
1: Yeah, quite quite a serious, quite a serious one. Um, so so they were trying to create a gas that would affect non-whites, but everyone, all the white people would be fine. Yes. Uh, and this was all down to Del Rusk. Um, so the Avengers throughout are trying to contain this, trying to cure cure people. They're struggling. Um, they're doing more investigations, but then Henry, Henry Peter Garrick gets kidnapped by Del Rusk and is being tortured because. Um, Henry Peter Gyrik has not been given, it's not been giving Del Rusk any information. He's given them all false passwords and all this sort of stuff. It's all bullshit. So so Del Rusk starts basically just interrogating him. Uh, Falcon flies in because he's been monitoring. He's known about this with Henry Peter Gyrick the whole time. So he's been monitoring and watching him, um, trying to betray the Avengers. So they've kind of been working together. Comes in, smashes in. Um, I think Iron Man pops in, Captain America pops in. Only for it to be revealed that Del Rusk is actually the Red Skull.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> so uh, it, it should have been. It should have been a bit of a giveaway with the uh, with the racist gas that he makes, um, and yeah. and also that he he uses a, a in the comics he's used a thing called the Dust of Death, which is this red um, kind of powder that yeah. sprays on people. And it turns their heads into a, a Red Skull and. Makes them choke to death, basically. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking it's kind of a derivative of that kind of formula or something. Uh, also, yeah. also, Del Rusk is an anagram of of Red Skull.
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
1: <laughs> probably, probably quite obvious. Um,
0: yeah. Really what, should have seen that coming. <laughs>
1: yeah, kind of. Um, but it is. I think it's one of the more underrated um, kind of Avengers stories, and obviously, it's scary to think that. Like the Red Skull is always a great villain because he uses American america's politics against it like that's yeah all, yeah that's what he's good at doing he twists the idea you go so you know what that's not, not that's not a bad idea but let me twist it and you know he, get, he gave up being a nazi you know he's like nazism is dead I, there's no point however i think Amer- american politics and the way american politics is i can use this yeah as a weapon against the nation itself to crush America, you know, you know, he's still a bit of a racist and stuff. He's not, yeah. he's not, he's not like, I'll never, I'll be nice now. The protege of Hitler is never nice. you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's oh, a really, yeah. really cool true. story. Really cool story. Really fun. Great action packed towards the end. Great fight with the red skull. Um, it comes down at the end to, is there's a, there's a punch out kind of knock, Knock down, drag out, fight with uh, the Red Skull and the Black Panther, and it is great. It's seriously great. Um, I won't spoil it, but Avengers Red Zone is a comic. Should definitely look up um, if you are interested. If you watch uh, on Disney Plus, if you watch uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes in the second season, in the second season they adapt this storyline in a way. Um, oh, okay. So the Red Skull is Del Rusk. He does turn yeah. as Del Rusk and then the gas is released and stuff. But it's slightly—it's a slightly varied version of the tale, but it's still really, yeah. really, really, really good. So if you don't want to read the comic, good. get on Disney Plus and watch the second series of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. But yeah, that was my number four.
0: Lovely, lovely. Well, you, you've you picked two extremely uh, horrific <laughs> characters well,
1: there, haven't you? I mean, I, mean, I mean, we did say worst politics, yes. worst fictional yes. politicians ever. And I, and yeah. I think those, those two are pretty bad.
0: Yes. Yes, they are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three?
0: Uh, my number three, which kind of adds to the sort of um, ultra, if you like, of you know where you're heading, is High Chancellor Adam Sutler Ooh. from V Vendetta. Nice. Now, I was not a fan of V Vendetta the first time I saw it. Um it took me to actually read the graphic novel and then re-watch it a couple of times before I actually became, you know, quite appreciative of um, of both you know the book and the and the film as well. But um, obviously it's no shock which side of the um you know which side of the political spectrum High Chancellor Adam Sutler sits on just by the High Chancellor. Um, Monaco, if you like, it's very much ultra white, uh, ultra right wing. I can't say that very quickly. Um, it's and it's practically the embodiment of sort of like the idea of Hitler in the United Kingdom, if you like. It's very much all like you see the, the podiums, the grandiosity of you know his political party, and you know the militaristic development of the united kingdom and the oppression on its people and also uh what do you call it so like the oppression through media um propaganda and all that you know you see all that and it's very 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 similar to, you know what you saw in nazi germany and all that um played by john hurt in the film to a brilliant uh to a brilliant degree um it's just a just a horrible character, an absolute horrible character, uh, and he gets his comeuppance in a delightful way. But without this character, you don't get sort of like the the ideology of V and what he stands for. And yes, I love it. Yeah, I love it now. I do. I do. I do love the source material. I love the film. Um, like I said, it did take me quite a while to get into it. But yeah. you know, this character is the literal embodiment of everything. That you hope never comes to pass in whatever nation you live in, um, because it's just awful, and he's an awful person at all. Yeah, it's um,
1: it's it's scary because I, I I remember when I watched it the first time. I was I, I enjoyed it because I'd, I'd read the book before it came out, and I yeah. wasn't. I, I, I do like the book, <laughs> but I think in the middle it kind of loses its steam a lot. There's a lot of just yeah.
0: It's a it's a very long. It's very yeah. long,
1: isn't it? It's very and long. I, if I remember rightly, the book was was cancelled, and then DC bought the rights or took it over to the US because I yeah. think it was I think it was published in Warrior or a, another magazine like that. So it was kind of unfinished, and then I think mm-hmm. you can you can see that in the kind of and I like the artwork of David Lloyd, but it does get to a point in the book where I'm like. Who is that? They all look a little too similar. Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, was, I get a bit, I got a bit lost. But I think the ending is strong, and then the beginning is strong. Um, but yeah, in, in the middle, I'm just like, oh, I just want to get past all this. It's just a lot of nothing happens really, nothing yeah. exciting. Um, and I think in the in it's the all
0: pondering, isn't it political pondering and political? It's just, just it's just
1: a, yeah, it gets to a point where it's a little bit wanky. I think in in terms of you know, it's political, you know. What it's trying to say, it just becomes a little too ham-fisted, I think. But again, I think what they've done with the film, I think they they've combined, they've made for me just a great film. I think everyone, I think it's almost a required viewing every fifth of November. Um, And and again, like it's very rare I come out of a film. Now, I'm not. (laughs) I say very rare I come out of a film feeling patriotic, not with Adam Sutler, but with V. Just to, be, yeah, just to clarify, we, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm definitely not patriotic for Adam Sutler and his messages. The exact opposite. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, I think his political group's called like Norse Fire as well. Um, got all the black and yeah, red. I never
0: remember what it's called. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's like black and red and white and all the lines criss crisscrossing of the lines. And I think that I think the character wasn't called Sutler in the in the book, but I think they renamed him Sutler in the film to make him, you know, a little bit closer yeah. to Hitler. His name is yeah. a bit closer. Um, I think it was A Stroke of Genius as well, casting John Hurt, who was in 1984.
0: Yeah, that was, that was, I was going to say that. I was going to say, like, the, the allegories about, you know, the films that John Hurt's done in the past, you know, and the allegories about, you know, with modern politics, if you like, I think it's, it's just brilliant getting John Hurt in there to kind of say, you know, we, we warned you back then, you know, this, this, this graphic novel warned you, and we're still... Heading in that direction, mm. so we're going to warn you again if you let, if you like. I mean, the film the film paints it very black and white about where it sees um, political spectrum, you yeah. know, of the West, if you like, and obviously it's a, it's very much a statement on you know, don't let it happen. We have to work together, yeah, keep, yeah, you know, keep working together and all that kind of stuff. Keep an eye on it. Keep don't yeah. don't let it don't let it slide.
1: Don't let it slip. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think there's there's a um, i think I was watching Bob Roberts' research for this, which is a great uh, Tim robbins movie if you ever see it, yeah. it a, a guy kind of describes it as like you know you drop a frog into boiling water it's gonna scream but if you slowly turn up the heat you know it, it's yeah. never it's never gonna notice until it's at that boiling point and dead uh, and I think that's i think that's politics a lot of the time i think yeah know, they're trying to a lot of you know there's a lot of these kind of things you know like recently like with the school dinners. In the UK, mm. you know, they're trying yeah. to to not, you know, in the UK we offer free free school meals um, for kids in the morning because people struggle and parents can't get their kids on in on time because of various other things and uh, they can't afford it. And we've recently, you know, they've voted against giving those meals out, um, which is, you know, it's a scary fact. They've over, I think they've finally overturned it. I think recently,
0: yeah, it was a very very public. Sort of campaigning from a footballer, no less.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I'm I'm not a massive fan of football or, or footballers, but fair play to him. He's a good, he's a good egg. Yeah, Marcus Rashford. Yeah, that's the man. That's the man. But yeah, I, I love this film, and I think I, I love the kind of you know he he's it, it's it is like 1984 with him almost always on screen. somewhere we're safe. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's very there's rare. always
0: a political message over the, the speaker system, or you know through the um, national TV broadcasting system. And um, yeah, you, you can't get away from me. It. It's literally everywhere. And that's, it's very much sort of like a parallel to how you've seen it in you know, communist societies and mm. ultra right-wing societies. Sca-
1: scary, scary stuff. Um, I, I, rem- I remember recently where the, uh, the BBC were looking to lessen any uh, comedians making fun of the government or the, the current conservative government. Um, uh, the BBC were trying to like, oh, we're going to try and get away from this. I'm going to try and find some more right-wing comedians. And then I saw another article come out a few weeks later going, yeah, there's not many funny right-wing comedians. So I think no. we maybe not do that. But I,
0: I it but worries- that, that in itself, that, that, sort of, that sort of idea that you just said, that's literally in the film as well. Literally in the film. Where basically there's a comedy show, uh, Stephen Fries and Chargers comedy show, and they make they make fun of Adam Suttler in it. And what happens immediately? He gets arrested and he gets, you know, purged, if you like. blacked side. You know, yeah, you don't you don't see him again. You know, apart from at the end when obviously it's he's it, it, probably long dead by that point, but you don't see him again. So the idea of saying, Oh, we can't do you know don't make fun of the government. That is something that is literally ingrained in the film and ingrained in the graphic novel as well. The graphic novel was, when was it released? The 80s? Yeah,
1: Thatcherite, definitely. It was, yeah. a, it was you know, very, you know, a direct... Yeah,
0: a political yeah. commentary, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's the word. Anti-political commentary. But yeah, those guess. ideas were in place, you know, then, back then. Yeah, we do, we do seem to be running the tightrope sometimes between, you know, what is fictional and what's possibly reality. And, and that's why again the film sort of stands out to me. The character sort of stands out to me as well as just like the old, the ultimate in horrible, evil politicians. You don't see you don't see him actively do anything horrible, but it's the knowledge of what he's done in the past, mm. how he's led the country to the point that it is, and how he's manipulated the minds of the country. And in the film and in the in the graphic novel, you see people's opinions shift and change and morph as the sort of like you know gets more into them and so you know try it reopens their minds yeah. to the horrors that have been you know orchestrated by you see the you see like uh, you see
1: like i mean i was i was in a play version uh, a few years back of Better. <laughs> um but uh i, w- <laughs> I won't i won't i mention who put it together just in case there's any legal issues with that <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i was hired it was unauthorized. I, Unauthorized, um, but you know who cares? Alan Moore hates all of these adaptations anyway, so he does. <laughs> um, but I, I played. um Who did I play? I played one of the one of the politicians. Um, someone described me in a review as a as, as very Blair, and I was like, you know what? I will have that. I'll take that. <laughs> that's a good review for me.
0: <laughs> well, that's scary in itself, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you'll play, you're playing. You're in a theatrical production of *V Vendetta*. You're playing a character that's ultra right right wing still cuts mm. it ultra yeah. right wing and somebody you know suggests you come across like Tony Blair that's that's a bit weird that that's, you
1: know, that's dark mm, potential war criminal Tony Blair they are
0: prove on